LeVar, we've heard the rumors of yeah. LeBron possibly coming oh. to L.A. this ah. summer. Mm. Do you think that it will happen? I don't think it'll happen. I know it's going to happen. Mm. I told you to call him L.A. LeBron. And he was right. The outspoken father of L.A. Lakers point guard Lonzo Ball back in February predicting that three-time NBA champ LeBron James would make his way to the city of Angels. How did you know that LeBron was going to yes. come there? Come on, man. That's why people are always so mad at me, because I'm always right. <laughs> That's not why. But let me ask you this. You but it were, only makes sense. You were right. It makes sense why. Why is this the right move? It, may, it, it makes sense because, uh, like I told him before, his narrative has to be that every team he's went to, he's won. So you can't stay in Cleveland and win four or five championships like Michael Jordan did in Chicago. You can't do that. So you, your narrative has to be to be the best player in the world. You got to say every team I went to, I won them a championship. It's been a long time. I shouldn't have left you. What's up, y'all? We back for another episode of the regular podcast. It's just me. And I got a few things to talk about, and they are pretty much all within the pop news sphere. Now, I'm, like I told y'all before, well, first of all, how y'all been? I've been cooling. You know, uh, today is Thursday, July 5th. White people celebrated their independence yesterday. Some of y'all black people celebrated white people's independence too yesterday. But I'm not mad at you because I took, I was off of work also, so I guess we all... Acknowledged it at the least. How y'all doing though? I'm cool. The week was groovy. Uh, what what we do? So I definitely <clears throat> I feel like I'm way behind because uh, I haven't been discussing the album with a lot of people. The, I said the album like everybody know the Drake album with a lot of people because I'm not on on the internet right now on social. But I feel like I have to get into it because just you know, I love to get into a big album. Uh, so if if I repeat a lot of things that you've heard already, you know, hey, I didn't see it anywhere else. I'm just gonna give y'all the take. I've been talking to my my guys about it, but if everybody has been cool, I can go forward. It, <clears throat> I have something that I might talk to y'all about later on during the during the episode, and it's kind of dark. It's kind of you know what I mean. It's dark. I don't know if I'm going to get to it, but I, I'll, I'll let y'all know later if I even feel like getting to it. Now, wait, before I get into this Drake album, I'm going to get into this. Let me talk about this thing first. Real brief. How y'all feel about, like, grown men calling other grown men their best friends? I'm asking that because it's weird to me. Like, when I hear a man say, yeah, my best friend... And then they talking about a man. To me, that shit is strange. I never was into, like, I ain't going to say never. Since I've been maybe nine years old, I haven't called a man my best friend. Now, I'm not saying, uh, not a man because I was a kid, but I never called another male, boy or man, my best friend. Now, everybody shouldn't do what I do. I'm just asking y'all how y'all feel about it. I don't often hear people refer to it, but I hear it enough for me to think, Excuse me. I hear it enough for me to think. Let me ask. Let me ask y'all, man, because it just sounds. I don't know what's wrong with it. I guess nothing is wrong with it. It just sounds weird to me. Like when I when I I don't know. 
Is that one of the, it must be one of them things that they call hyper masculinity. I don't know. This shit just feels weird to me. It sounds weird when I hear other people say it. It's just weird. I don't know. So y'all let me know how y'all feel. That's just a quick thing. I, Cause I heard, I was listening to hot 97 and uh, Ebro in the morning. And I heard Rosenberg say, yeah, my best friend said X, Y, Z. And he was talking about a man. I'm like, damn, he about 40 some years old. He's still calling somebody his best friend. I guess somebody can be your best friend in theory and in practice, I guess. But <clears throat> to me, it just sounds weird. Y'all let me know how y'all feel about that. That has nothing to do with Drake's album, but it just was on my mind. I mean, I've been meaning to ask y'all this a long time ago. You know, I have I have very, very close friends, but when they once they pass a certain threshold of close friend, to me, in my mind, they become my brother. So I have guys that I consider my brothers. You understand? And I've been calling them my brothers for a long time. That's like either you my good friend or you become a brother of mine. Most of the dudes that I call my brothers, I've been knowing them over, over 10, 15 years. I guess, how old am I now? I'm about to be 20. So it's almost 20 years now. I'm in my 20s, and the people that I consider my brothers, I've been knowing them for almost 20 years. You feel me? So the word best friend just sounds weird to me. Y'all let me know how y'all feel about it. Of course, I'm not telling anybody what they should or shouldn't do. Now, Drake album. Scorpion. I haven't, like I said, I don't know what people are tweeting, but I have been hearing that there's a lot of mixed reviews. This is the funny thing about, about the social media world. If y'all remember, every Drake album that has ever come out since he's been the top guy has gotten mixed reviews. When Take Care came out, which a lot of y'all consider the classic, it was mixed reviews. Take Care was the first rap album that made people say, what, he is soft. They was, they was like, no. Not, not saying it's the first rap album, but a lot of hip-hop fans were saying, get Drake the F out of here. That was the album that, that created the divide in casual fans becoming stands and then casual fans becoming dislikers of Drake. It was with Take Care. And it was mainly with the line, when she go to the bathroom, I go on her purse. It was that. It was that. That was the defining moment right there. Sandy was going to go in the girl's purse when she go to the bathroom. Can't trust these hoes at all. You know, he said that. And that right there made people lose their mind. That was, in, that was seven years ago. That was like 2011. That album had mixed reviews. Nothing was the same. I actually, I wasn't home for that one. But I, don't, I know a lot of people that don't know really anything about that album. So I ain't going to say it has mixed reviews. But it's often ignored when people think about Drake albums, right? And you, when you hear people talk about Drake's discography, they forget to name that album a lot. You have, okay, so Take Care, You Got Nothing Was The Same. Then you got If You're Reading This Is Too Late. Very mixed reviews. People were saying that he was still in flows and he was, uh, he was, he was um, chasing a wave. He was taking people's, people's styles. That's the one where you, we found out that he had ghostwriters on that one. Right Then the one that came out after that was What a Time to Be Alive with Future. Some people hated it. Some people thought it was cool. But I didn't see too many people that just loved it like that. Then what came after that? Views. Views was very mixed also. People was like, oh, he done stole the Jamaican now. He's Jamaican Drake now. He, you know, that's when Hotline Bling. That's when One Dance. That's when, you know, he had some massive. One Dance was actually his first number one song in his whole career. So he had to smash hits on that joint, but people, it was mixed again. 
Then a year later, he dropped more life. Also, like I said, everything that Drake has dropped has been mixed. But then over time, which over time, people begin to, I guess, forget that they thought it was whack at first or they forget that they didn't know if they liked it or they forget or whatever. And they eventually just start liking the album. So with this album, I don't expect anything different. Everybody, there's a lot of mixed reviews and like a lot of people saying the rapping is great, but the singing is kind of like we could have done without it and all that. But you don't. I don't know a lot of people that are just saying, throw the whole album away, I'm going to never listen again. So it's going to be the same effect that we always have. The more and more you hear the joint, the more and more you will start liking it. And you'll forget how you even felt when you first heard it. Because for whatever reason, Drake's music just gets that opportunity from, from fans, I guess. I'll give you my take on it. My f initial take, so I, you know, it's a double album, side A, side B, whatever. My initial take on it was, this shit is too long, right? Some albums, I'm cool with them being long, like Chris Brown's Heartbreak on a Full Moon. You had um, my girl Janae Aiko. She had the Sativa joint. Some albums just feel long. Like, those, those albums was long as shit. So, I'm cool with some albums being long, but the Migos album, they dropped Culture 2, that shit felt like, it was, it was 24 songs, it felt like it was forever. I just kept on feeling like, damn, am I on the last song yet? Like this shit. So that's how Drake's album felt the first time I listened. But I do know this. The rap side of, his, of the first album, I mean, the, the side A, immediately when I was listening to them songs, I was like, oh, this, all this shit is hard. All of it. But then the song comes in, that song, and the second, I mean, the first song of the side B, which is called Peak. That shit is weird to me because the beat, I don't like that sound, that synthesized, uh, you know, the, the synth. I don't like the way that that comes in. It's too loud. It seems off or whatever. Now, I did notice that there was a change to the album because one of the songs early on in the joint, he was missing, a word was missing. The word he was missing was shit. It, like, it, I forget what song it was, but I know that the word was missing right there. So I guess when they put out another edit of the song, of the, you know, the streaming, they be changing, changing the joints and all that. He put out another one. He fixed that word shit. So it was it's in there now. So if you didn't hear it at the beginning, you, you don't even know what I'm talking about. The word shit is in there. And then he also added some little Wayne. I thought I was tripping. He added some little Wayne joint, uh, like like him talking later on in the album. So Drake is listening to his album and critiquing it himself also and thinking like, okay, I, I might have slipped or some people slipped or whatever like that. The first song of the second joint, but i tell you off the first rip. I listened to I listened to it a couple times. I haven't been, I haven't listened again since um, probably like Tuesday. Maybe it's Thursday right now. I probably listened on Tuesday again. So I listened to it all weekend. Then I probably listened on Tuesday. My first song off the, off the jump is, uh, I would say it has to be, damn, because it's a lot of, it has to be Emotionless. The one with Mariah Carey, with the Mariah Carey sample. I just, I don't know, man. That shit just hard to me. I, that's my favorite joint right there. And then, <clears throat> excuse me. I like, I like, um, the the second favorite is 8 out of, eight of 10 or 8 out of 10. That's a good one. Because I like, I like the whole, you know, dissing Kanye thing. Which I told, I've been telling y'all since, ever since... When people were saying, why is Drake dissing Kanye instead of dissing Pusha T? He's dissing Kanye because Kanye got all the information that he said about Drake. It all came from 
Kanye. I mean, Drake, I mean, Pusha T got all his info about Drake from Kanye. That's the person you should be mad at because you spilled all the beans to an enemy. Even though Kanye is, I guess, more loyal to Pusha T, still he shouldn't have got in the middle of it. It's a rap beef. You know what I mean? Stay out of it if you want to be neutral. So now Drake is like, yo, this nigga then gave up all my life information. So of course he's going to be dissing Kanye. Not going to be dissing. He don't have no real issue. So he got to diss the man that the information came from, which I've been telling y'all why y'all out here looking for him to go back at Pusha T. Nah, I mean, he's going to address Pusha T, but he don't, he don't really have nothing to say to Pusha T because nobody knows anything about Pusha T. You know what I mean? Not to disrespect Pusha, but nobody really knows that much about him. And even if he did give a whole bunch of background information and tell, told people about Pusha T, not that many of Drake's fans would care. And not that many people in hip-hop, period, would care anyway. The reason everybody cared about the story of Adidon is because people care about what's going on in Drake's life. Because let's just say a dude dropped a, a, a diss song like the story of Adidon 15 years ago when everything was about shooting and killing. People would have called it soft. So we like it now because it's about who it's because it's about Drake and Drake is the biggest artist in the world and people care. They want to know about his life and all that. But if that song dropped back in a time when we was dealing with hardcore bars and, and lyricism and thugs and gangster rap and all that, people wouldn't have been feeling it like that. So it's it, you know Drake chose to say I'm not going to diss push it like you know heavily because it's not. I mean nobody would care anyway. They would want to hear it, but nobody would. It wouldn't linger like it would if you discount yet. He came on eight out of ten. His first thing he said is "Too rich for who? Y'all just got rich again." Now, if y'all listen to Kanye West album, at the end of the song "Mistakes," I mean, not the end of the song, but the end of the verse, Kanye said, "Too rich to fight you. Calm down, you light skin." And then Drake comes back on eight out of ten and says, "Too rich for who? Y'all just got rich again. Who grips the mic and likes to kill their friends?" He's talking about Kanye right there, clearly, because he's responding directly to what Kanye said on his own album. You know, it's yo. I like the joint. This album is good to me, man. I, I like how he's addressing everything. I I do see that a lot of people saying that they they don't like it because he is pretty much he changed his whole whole album probably because he had to go back and address all the stuff that Pusha T said about him throughout the whole side A of the album which means all of this stuff had to be recorded after uh after had to be recorded after the the, the beef it also had to be recorded in the midst of those albums dropping the uh, good music albums cuz he had to hear Kanye's album which dropped what the first First week of June, I think. Kanye, then Cuddy, then Nas, yeah. So he had to record some... The 8 out of 10 had to come after the good music rollout in June. Also, the song called Talk Up with Jay-Z. That was a surprising feature to me. I, a lot of people were speculating. We was thinking that we was going to get a Meek Mill feature. That would have done good. But I guess Drake, when Drake did an interview with Zane Lowe last year, or yeah, I think it was the beginning of last year, he said... He said he could be cool with Rick Ross, but he can't really mess with Meek again. Even though the beef is over and all that, he can't mess with Meek again because him. he said Meek is cool, but they wasn't ever really friends like that for him to make up with him and deal with him again after he tried to ruin his life, pretty much. By telling people he had ghostwriters, you changed Drake's legacy forever. Drake was definitely on his way to being a Mount Rushmore hip-hop artist, a top-five hip-hopper. And Meek Mill snatched that from him with one accusation that turned out to be 
true. So Drake says he can't mess with Meek Mill anymore. So, you know, we maybe, maybe I don't know if he was going to stick to it, but he definitely didn't put Meek on the album. But he went and got Jay-Z, who was also having issues with Kanye West right now. So this is a strategy thing where they teamed up to take down Kanye, not even to take down Kanye, but just to show Kanye, like, we can make up. Can't nobody make up with you because you didn't took it too far, Kanye. Nobody, we, we can't, we can't deal with you, which it's really sad to see. But you can tell that Jay-Z, because Jay-Z in his, in his verse is talking about, uh, is talking about XXX dying. So Jay-Z just turned his verse in a week before the album came, or maybe two or three days before the album even came out. So this make, and I, I heard him say in the, um, probably on Emotionless or whatever, or may, it might have been, it was either Emotionless or it was on the intro. Where Drake said iconic duos rip and split at the seams. He was definitely talking about Kanye and Jay-Z. And when he first said these dudes is kind of jealous because I'm breaking records on the on the track that they set records on or whatever, like whatever he said like that. I kind of thought at first that he was talking about Jay-Z and Kanye in that. But I guess it'd be Kanye. But he was definitely talking about Kanye and Jay-Z when he said iconic duos rip and split at the seams. I liked it, man. The reason I'm not talking about the second part of the album as much is because since, like I said, it was so long, it was easy for me to fade out into thought, a.k.a. not pay attention while the album was on when I got to that part because it was so different from what I liked on the first part that, it, you know, it kind of lost me a little bit. So I feel like I'm going to have to listen to that on its own. You feel me? So. That's what I think I'll have to do. But like I said, overall, the album is good. I like it. I feel like people are saying now what they say about every single Drake album that has dropped since Take Care. Every Drake project that's come out since Take Care, people have said the same thing about it. A lot of people loved it. A lot of people didn't like it. And then eventually people talk about it in the past like, man, that was a great album. Remember when Drake did this? That was really, dang, I can't believe he did it. I see people comparing it to Blueprint too. Or I hear people comparing it to Blueprint 2 because they say the double album thing in Blueprint 2, Jay-Z was coming off the Nas beef. And then in Blueprint 2, I mean, the, yeah, the album Blueprint 2, he addressed a lot of what Nas said to him. And he was, you know, he was feeling like he had to address things. So as far as that goes, I can see the similarities because he Drake dropped this and he's addressing a lot of the stuff that he, he came off the beef with Pusha T. A lot of people said Jay-Z had lost his battle with Nas. A lot of people say Drake lost his battle with Pusha T. So you have this similarity in, in, uh, in Scorpion with Blueprint 2. In my mind, that's where the similarity stopped because Drake went and gave us an R&B side of an album. And I think Blue... I don't know what people... Who started this rumor and everybody else ran with it that Blueprint 2 wasn't good? That's a lie. I love Blueprint 2. I always loved it since it first came out. So I don't know what, what the hell people are always talking about. Oh, it's hard to make a good double album. It might be. But then they just name like the Biggie and the Pac album and act like them was just the best two double disc albums ever. Like, no, y'all just saying that because they died. If them dudes didn't die, you don't know how them joints would be put together. Or not. you don't know how you would view them albums if they didn't die, man. I'm not even going to call it revisionist history, but I will call it like a death helped you out. Because you know what you know what my man Jada Kiss says, speaking of beefs and stuff. My man Jada Kiss told 50 Cent. No, he didn't say this to 50 Cent. But he said, you know dead rappers get better promotion. He said that and knock yourself out. While we don't laugh at death and cry at birth. 
Never say you can't do it till you try your first. It be the young niggas eager to pull it, but it's a message and everything. Trust me, even a book. Go to war with it. He he said that on that. Um, he said you know dead rappers get better promotion, right? And that's true. When somebody died, people people make it seem like yo they was really greater than what they were. Now I'm not talking about celebrity. If somebody's a major celebrity, they're a major celebrity. But I'm talking about rap ability and song making ability. Come on, man. Them double like Jay Z's Blueprint Two is a hard album. Like beyond the f- it don't when I listen to it, it doesn't even feel like it's too long. Maybe it's because I love it or whatever. Uh, Scorpion feels like it's too long. Y'all let me know what y'all think, man. I'm pretty sure y'all have talked about Scorpion to death by now, but I just felt like I would give my take on it a week after it came out, and I guess I'll give it more chances as the years go on. I'm more I listen to Drake more in the fall time, just like I said about the Cuddy. So I'm gonna give it more. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna let it ride a little bit more and more as time goes on, and we'll see how how it feels going forward. But I'm pretty sure the the mixed views, mixed opinions that y'all are hearing right now, I'm sure that they'll change in in the six months. You know, shout out to Cardi B. Also, she just had her second number one song with that. I like it like that, or I I like that. Whatever the song is called. So. I mean, I think some people could have could have predicted that that would go number one. First of all, because Cardi B is smoking, piping hot. Secondly, because uh, it's an international type of song because it's Latin. It has the Latin vibe plus it's rap. So, and then I guess Latin trap is a real big thing internationally right now too. So, when you have a song that is connecting with so many different people, then you know you had to eventually know it was going to go number one. I didn't know if it would go number one, but. I mean, I, I'm not shocked that it did because, so that's that's what you call album living on because her album came out what like March or April maybe something like that. I think it was first week of April. Her album came out first week of April, and it's still living for a song for her second single to go number one off that album. Um, what it's July three months after the album came out. That's that's some that's some life right there. <clears throat> that's an album having good life right there. So. I I appreciate that, man. Shouts to her. Now, another thing that happened a few days ago, my man LeBron, I'm sure you have talked about this to death. LeBron went to the Lakers, the L.A. Lakers. You know, Los Angeles is about to be back in the headlines for good things now when the season starts because I don't care what nobody say, acting like, oh, LeBron can't help them. Or like, listen, the seats will be full. I'm sure as soon as that tra- soon as that deal happened, the, t- the season ticket uh, waiting list went back to two years like it used to be. You remember the, the Lakers season tickets used to be two, three years long, the waiting list. Like, it's packed out again. I'm sure of it. The Lakers are going to make a lot of money. L.A. will be a prominent city again. Because even, even though Kobe just retired a few years ago, <clears throat> his last few years playing, they were still whacked. So people really didn't care to go watch them because nobody really wanted to watch Kobe play like that. But LeBron is in year 15, 16, and he's playing at a super high level. So people will be excited, and we want to see how he can help these young dudes get better. Because really, LeBron just went out there for it's really a project. I think he mainly went, <clears throat> excuse me, he mainly went out west because all pressure to win goes flying out the window when you go to the Western Conference and you do not go to Golden State. Now, if he went to Houston, his pressure would still be high. But he went to Lakers. The Lakers are pretty much like a lottery team. So when you go to Houston, 
I mean, if you would have went to Houston, people would expect you to win next finals. The next finals, they would expect you to beat Golden State because the the uh, the Rockets were one game from beating Golden State without you. So if they have you and Chris Paul healthy, you should be winning the finals. But you go to the Lakers, nobody ever expects you to win. And now you don't even make it to the finals because you're not going to get past Golden State. So now you get no more finals losses. You see how that works for his legacy? Because people love to count these finals losses against him. Now he doesn't have to worry about that ever again. <clears throat> you feel me? So now, now for the last t- pretty much 10, 8, almost a decade, LeBron has been in the finals. We don't even know what that we forget. We, I don't think we even want to see a finals now with East versus West. It was exciting because people like to see LeBron going to the finals. So LeBron versus the Warriors or LeBron versus the Spurs or whatever. That's a good finals. When the Warriors go to play the Celtics in the finals this year, that shit is going to be garbage. It's going to be a terrible final. Nobody's going to want to watch. They're going to beat them by 50 every game if they feel like playing. The backup player is going to be in every game in the third quarter. Like the, the All the starters probably be sitting out the game the, the, from the third quarter to the end, man. From, from two minutes left in the third quarter to the end of the game, the starters will be on the bench when they play the Celtics in the finals. It's going to be terrible, man. So, it, like, if everybody was saying the East was terrible before, now that LeBron James moved West, now they are, like, I don't even know how to explain how, how people are going to hate the finals this year. Not that they're going to hate it, they're not going to watch it. You know what I'm saying? It's just, like, LeBron went out there, all pressure is gone. So now if LeBron wins the finals out there, the GOAT conversation will go out the window. There will be no more debate. If he wins a finals while he's in the same conference as the Rockets, the Thunder, and the Warriors, as currently constructed, the GOAT conversation is done. All right? These super teams are different level super teams now. All the GOAT, if he can win, every, a big knock on him has, has for a lot of times in his career is he played in a weak East. If he if he makes it to the finals, if you make it to the finals in the West right now, when you don't have to go against LeBron in the in the East, you're guaranteed to win the finals. So if he can make it to the finals right now in the West, he's going to get a ring in the West, and he'll be the goat. Bringing a ring back to LA, while Golden State, the Rockets, and the Thunder's Thunder are built like that, you're the goat. It's over with. The conversation is done. I already think he's the GOAT because I'm just, if you look at the games and you look at the people who played against him versus the people who played against Jordan and the competition at his position, you know, the great players that played in Jordan's era didn't play Jordan's position. They were centers and power forwards. They didn't, Jordan never guarded them and he didn't, and they didn't guard him. All right. So he dominated a bunch of people that you will never remember their name or, you know, so anyway, yeah, I got, I got. Listen, this, this is going to be interesting. You understand? So, especially with the NFL pretty much doubling down on, on the all the stuff saying F y'all black people. You know, I'm really looking forward to the next NBA season. Y'all feel me? That's all I really have about that. If y'all have anything to tell, if you think it's a whack move for LeBron to go out there, man, four, four years, $154 million is a lot of money. Even though, I don't even, I heard that that wasn't the max. Like, LeBron could have got more money if he would have went. He definitely could have got more if he stayed with the Cavs, but yo, think about LeBron's whole career. 
has LeBron ever been the highest paid player in the NBA? Since his whole career, he's, I don't think he's ever been the highest paid player in the league. And he's clearly been the best player in the league, but he hasn't been the highest paid. That's interesting. That's a stance right there to say, I, I love money, but I don't care about money that much. I'm doing what I feel like doing. LeBron is saying, I make so much money in other avenues that the NBA, I don't have to make as much money in the NBA as some of y'all other dudes have to. Y'all have to take the max deal wherever you at, the super max or whatever. Because y'all ain't doing what I'm doing. LeBron is the richest person in the NBA. LeBron is catching up on Magic Johnson. No, Magic Johnson is probably approaching a billion. But LeBron is up there in the hundreds of millions net worth. You understand? The man is making power moves. So he can he can afford to just go to any team he feel like going to because it's not about money like that. It's more about lifestyle. You go from Cleveland, when you grow up in, in Northeast Ohio, man, every, you know, almost everything is a vacation. But you go to Miami, you live the life down there in Miami, you become a superstar. Everything is popping in Miami for a couple years. It's always popping, but the sports scene is really popping when you go down there. And then you go to L.A., while they team ain't really doing good, you're going to make it pop again on the, on the basketball scene in L.A. Like, you really living a dream coming from Northeast Ohio to be able to go to these places and, and be a superstar and do what you want, live how you want, be able to afford a $50 million house if you want it. Like, you know, put your kids in the best schools and all that. Listen, and you've been, you been paid to play basketball while you do this. So, yo, <clears throat> I respect LeBron's move, man. I don't know how people feel about it, but I respect it. I ain't mad at it, man. Shout out to the Lakers for making that pick up. Shout out to Magic for talking LeBron into it over whatever he, or maybe he didn't even need convincing. That's all I got about that. Now. Another thing that I have consumed this week is the Jay Prince audio book, which is on Title. Y'all can listen to it on Title. Man, that book was amazing. I, I tell y'all this, though. His book is called... Damn, I'm tripping. I don't even have a title up. Let me, let me get this title up for y'all real quick. Title. You, you like how I said it? Let me get the title of the book. The title of the book is... The Art and Science of Respect by Jay Prince. Man, this book is, excuse me, this book is good, yo. Jay Prince pretty much giving his whole life story. Uh, he actually reads the audiobook himself. Jay Prince is a street dude. He's a super businessman. So with him coming from the streets, and we know how we know how genius dudes is in the streets because they're able to navigate the way they navigate. And then he went in to make millions and millions of dollars in, in corporate world and all that. And the music and boxing and, and, you know, farming and things like that. I would expect him to read better than that. Especially when it's his own story. Man, when y'all listen to that, it sounds like Jay Prince is like, I'm going to tell Y'all remember when, when you was in, in, in school, in elementary school or whatever, and somebody would be, you would be reading, you play the game bump. That's when you call on the next person to read. And they, you, you know. He would have been the one that you will call on the read so you can just laugh at why he why he's struggling through the word. Now I'm not saying that that was a good thing to do, but that's what we used to do back then. You know I mean, we we would play bump and we would bump and I'll be like, I'm gonna bump that joint to James every time because I'm about to die. You know what I mean? He probably would have been trying to fight me, but I just would have been doing that because yo, at at 50 years old, James Prince reads like. Now listen, let me just say this now, it's a great book. The art and science of respect. I respect the man, but he needs 
He should have. I like him reading. I ain't even gonna say he should have got somebody else reading it. It's just funny to hear him struggle, not struggle, but read it not fluently. You know, it was a lot of broken sentences going on, a lot of words in, uh, pronounced incorrectly. But that's his thing. Book was great, man. His life is crazy. Uh, I I definitely suggest you listen to it, man. I, I really don't want to tell any of the stories because they they're so interesting. I will say this though, just to give you a a quick glimpse into the book very early on in the story he talks about a traumatic experience he had as a young child probably nine years old where he stayed up late you know just talking to his sister they stayed they stayed up till midnight talking about their dreams and stuff and they talked about what they wanted to do when they grew up and his sister her name is Zena his sister Zena said well let's just say this Jay Prince first said which his name wasn't Prince originally. His name was like James Johnson, some shit like that. He said, yeah, I want, when I grow up, I'm going to buy mommy a house. He was telling his sister, I'm going to buy mommy a house. I'm going to buy a house for mama, right? And his sister said, I want to grow up and I'm going to buy her a vacuum, right? The reason he, she wanted to buy her a vacuum is because her mom was always at work and the sister was older than Jay, James J. Prince. So she always had to do chores and stuff around the house. She would have to clean up and they didn't have a good vacuum. So she said, man, if she just had a vacuum, a better vacuum, you know, she would life would be a little bit easier. Of course, that's a young child saying that. But she really was thinking about that. And I would say it to say she was thinking very small also to say, I want to get my mom a vacuum. She, she was thinking more what J. Prince considered practical more realistic because she was thinking about what she can do with a regular job which is if you buy a vacuum with a regular job you won't be set back too much jay prince was thinking big money if you want to buy if you're thinking at nine years old you want to buy your mom a house you also must be thinking about how much money you will need to be able to afford to buy your mom a house so he was thinking very large very early so they had that conversation that night next day they go to school or whatever Jay Prince is at the playground. His friends run up to him and say, hey, it's your sister. She got hit by a train. A train. This is some old school shit because this is the type of stuff that don't happen no more. Kids getting hit by trains or people, period, getting hit. It's just, that just made it sound super old to me because I feel like, how do you get hit by a train? If you're like, not in your car, but just you get hit by a train because you can hear and see a train coming from so far away, man. Like, I don't understand how a person gets hit by a train. But anyway, she, whatever, was crossing the tracks. I guess it's the same tracks that they cross all the time. See, they always make it seem like, oh, he was just crossing the tracks and got hit. You wasn't just crossing the tracks and got hit. The, the, the little, you know, arms was down or the train was coming from very far away. And when it got closer, you was playing chicken with some friends. And you tried to run across it at the last minute and you got plastered because you're not just walking across the tracks and then a train appeared out of nowhere. So not to make light of the situation, but this happened. She got hit by a train. So, uh, you know, she her, her leg was laying out in the street. Her her pretty much her top half of her body and her se bottom half of her body was separated. And James Prince or Jay, Jay Johnson, James Johnson, or Smith, whatever his name was, at the age of nine, saw his sister in pieces out there. He didn't believe it was her at first until he kept looking around. Then he saw her jacket out there also, bloody, super bloody. So that's when 
he his mind changed forever at that point. As a young boy, he uh, he stayed in the house the one night he couldn't sleep. He came back to his mom and said, Mom, I can't stay here. I can't sleep here anymore because, you know, thinking about my sister and all this. So his mother allowed him to go move with his grandmother and, you know, pretty much he, he stayed with. His but he made it very clear. Pretty much a lot of people had a great hand in raising him. So that's just one little piece of the book. And y'all should go check it out. His sister got hit by a train, man. Like that's shit, that's just weird to me. But <clears throat> when you hear him talking about it, though, you'll be very it's a very compelling story, I must say. So, yeah, James Prince, man. Jay Prince, the autobiography. I mean, I'm sorry. The art and science of the of respect. Great concept also. It's almost like the art of war, but really he's calling it that. He's not giving you really much guidelines, but he's just telling you about him. Probably one of the most respected people, you know, that's that's free. That's a free man out here, you know, and alive still. So, yeah. Also, another book I want to get into is the Omar Epps book. It's called From Fatherless to Fatherhood. I want to definitely want to check that out, man. Not saying I'm fatherless, but I want to check that book out. You know, I got a father, but there's a lot of people. And I love these little fatherhood books because they, they talk about, you know, fatherhood. And I want to see what, what men have to say about it. Other men have to say about it. Also, like I when I was, um, I had a chance to read Bill Cosby's book. I think it was called Fatherhood. And it's a old. He probably wrote that book in the 80s or early 90s, maybe. But it was a good book. I liked it. It was very short read. It was quick. You can quickly read that Bill Cosby book. But I want to read this Omar Epps book. I actually bought it on uh, eBooks on Google Play. I bought it already. Got it for 4.99. So that was a good purchase. I think I'm definitely gonna get into it because he definitely talks about how he in these interviews I've been watching. He's talking about how he only met his dad one time, and that was um. When he was when he was like twelve years old, so it's it's I think it's gonna get deep. I heard him talking to Sway, you know Sway in the morning, the radio host Sway, and they was just throwing stories back and forth to each other about you know what it was like to meet their dad or whatever like that. And yeah, man, it's very interesting, very interesting, man. I think everybody, man, at least if not everybody, then if you have a chance, all the black men. You know, you need to go, you need to try to find a way to get this book, get your hands on this book, man. If we got to do it like, you know what I mean? If we got to put them rules in effect, pass the book around. If somebody get it, if you get the book, you know, you pass it on to the next man. Let him read it. If he might not have the money to buy a book or whatever, let somebody read your book. I have the digital copy, so I I can't pass a book on. But maybe I'll buy the physical and still pass it on to somebody. Or how about we do this? If y'all want the book, hit me up and I'll buy one for you. Just hit me up and I'll get the book for you. I'll buy you a copy and ship it to you. That's how we'll do that. All right, because I want people to, you know, read about what this stuff is and figure out if you can relate to it or if you can't relate to it. Or, if, you know, all the black men, if you want that book, hit me up and I'm going to try to I'm gonna get you a copy. If it's not too many, y'all, I don't know. We might podcast might blow up this week or something if I do the graphic right. I don't know, but uh, if you definitely though hit me up and see, you know, I'll probably get it for you. Now that's pretty much all I got. That's in the, in the news, man. Um, Kendrick Kendrick Lamar, you know, it's just, it's like the seven year anniversary of Section Eighty. 
And that's actually when I first got hip to Kendrick. You know, I wasn't hip to him or overly dedicated. I didn't know who he was yet, so I, I didn't never go back to listen to it because, you know, I start listening to you when I started listening. I don't need to go back in your catalog, right? So Section 80, I knew immediately Section 80 was great. I didn't really, I wasn't really thinking as much about, when I used to listen to it, I wasn't really thinking as much about Kendrick because I was just like, yo, this album is hard. I, was th I thought it was a mixtape back then, so I used to work out to it and everything like that. And the joint is still hard, man. I listened to it again today. Section 80 is still great to me. For a long time, that was my favorite joint that he put out. But now I'm just looking back at his discography. I'm like, yo, this dude is, he don't miss. I don't, I don't know why people count that untitled, unmastered shit. That was the throwaways from To Pimp a Butterfly. That has been said already. Them wasn't real album songs. You could tell it wasn't really put together. It wasn't finished or nothing. It was untitled, unmastered. It wasn't finished. So I don't even know why you count that. But if you go Section 80, if you go Good Kid, Mad City, if you go to, to Pimp a Butterfly, and then Damn, my man is working on four classics right now. If you want to, if you want to, they're debatable classics. I think two of them are certified. And that will be Good Kid, Mad City, and Damn. A lot of people feel like To Pimp a Butterfly is his best album. So if those other two certified classics are certified classics and To Pimp a Butterfly is better to some people, to a lot of people actually, you got to say that's a classic too. I know a lot of people don't want to. I, I personally haven't counted Section 80 because I never really looked at it like an album. I guess it is one, but I didn't look at it like that. But if you want to count as you can, I'm just saying my man is working. He's like on the Kanye schedule right now. Kanye went, it's about, if, you know, debatable six straight classics. People really don't really debate the first three. I say 808 is a classic. Everybody says My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy is a classic. And I say Watch the Throne is definitely a classic. I don't even know what people was listening to. Another thing about this, when people say woke Kanye or the old Kanye, they normally go back to talking about like college dropout and late registration and shit like that. But I'm thinking if you was really listening to Kanye this whole time, the height of Kanye's wokeness was definitely 100 percent on Watch the Throne. Like he had better verses than Jay-Z on a lot of them, a lot of them songs. And they was talking about blackness throughout pretty much the whole album. That's what it was about for real. There's a song called Black Excellence, but the whole album is really about black excellence, though. And he was he he not he was he wasn't bodying Jay Z, but he was bodying that. And that's the that's the height of the old Kanye. Watch the Throne is the tippy top, the highest, most skilled version of Kanye ever. Is that? I'm not saying them is the best songs, but the the best the most skilled version of Kanye is that shit right there. So, yeah, like I said, um, Kendrick is on a Kanye type of run right now with four straight, very, very, very great albums and three of them classics, one of those being debatable. And these are, I mean, my, damn, just won like seven Grammys in a Pulitzer Prize. Like, that's, shit, that's unheard of. It's unreal. First of all, it's unheard of because no musician outside of like, classical or jazz has ever won a Pulitzer Prize for their music so that alone but then you got the, the mad like six seven Grammys whatever it is like I mean 
you got people saying he already Mount Rushmore. I mean, I can't, you can't dispute it. We can't keep looking at Kendrick like he's a new artist. He's really not. I mean, my man is four albums deep. You're not new no more. You can't be like, oh, as, as far as the new guys, he's one of the best. No, he's one of the best ever. He's not new no more. He's, you can't keep on calling somebody new just because they didn't come out in the 90s. That shit, like, he's not new. <laughs> the man been around for a long, for long enough to be, cons like, now it's time to look at legacies. Compare his compare his catalog to these some of the greats ever. I mean, he's he's approaching Mount Rushmore. My man is definitely already top ten. He has to be. You can't say he's not. He has the stats. He has the lyrical ability. I mean, what else you need? He has never compromised. He has the consciousness. He has everything that we want in a person to sustain. To be considered a great hip-hop artist, man. The dude is already top 10, man, with four albums. In in less than 10 years, he has already become a top 10 artist. I mean, rapper, ever. That's, that's. I mean, listen, man. It's, it's time to recognize it. That's what, that's just, hey, it's just time to recognize it. Now, we, I'm, I'm at the close, I decided I'm not going to get into that heavy topic. Maybe I will one of these days. I'm just not going to do it right now. Y'all let me know y'all take. I thought this was going to take longer than it did, but it didn't. We only have 40-something minutes. Uh, y'all let me know how y'all feel about these things. Definitely get at me about this um, best friend shit. Let me know if if dudes is out here saying best friend or whatever like that. Because I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I know they're saying it. But does anybody feel weird about it like I do? It should just sound strange to me. All right. Get at me, man. Email me at um, reg, R-E-G podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. You can also just comment on the SoundCloud and, you know, we can chat it up like that. Or you can just share it and, and post it and talk about what you heard in here and discuss it with your friends. Tell them where you heard it first, the regular podcast. Easy. 